This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster, celebrating our bravery in all of it. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. While many of us are likely familiar with human design... And our type, I'm a generator. Um, and if you don't know your type, you can easily just Google uh, find my human design. You'll type in your date of birth, your time of birth, and the city you were born in. And it will tell you, uh, you may be a generator, a projector, a manifesting generator. Uh, some people, I think it's like 1%, are a reflector. Um, I really felt that we could all benefit from a deeper dive on human design into how to actually apply it to our lives in a practical and meaningful way. Because a lot of us, we know, we may know our design type because it's become trendy a little bit. And it's like, yeah, what's your human design? But a lot of us don't actually know how to decode our charts. And our guest today is going to actually teach us how to do that so that we don't even need to hire someone. We can look at it, break it down and uh, apply it to how we date, how we uh, are in our career, uh, how we navigate conflict and relationships, and even how we have sex. I didn't know uh, until this guest reached out to me, I didn't know that you could apply human design, human design to intimacy. So, I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, I'm super excited to, to dive into all of this with her. She is a human design coach with 17 years of experience as a human behavioral specialist and as a host of the top 0.5% human design podcast and helps people use human design to take the guesswork out of dating and relationships and supercharge their sex lives. At the age of 28, she was diagnosed with depression and panic disorder conditions she was told that she would be able to manage but never fully heal. These diagnoses... The, being diagnosed with this became the catalyst for her nearly 20 years of self-study and her ongoing pursuit of direction and purpose in life. When she stumbled across human design, she gained clarity around her mission in life to facilitate our collective paradigm shift by empowering millions of people to become their own guru and redefine success, health, wealth, love, and purpose. Please help me welcome Emma Dunwoody to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I shared with the listeners that I've known that I'm a generator for quite some time. I know that um, I have a generator daughter and a projector son, but I don't know much about I don't know a ton about what that means. I just know because people ask. And so it's like good to know, you know, how to answer, but I still don't know how to best parent a generator or a projector. Uh, my partner is a um, mental projector. I don't know how to best partner a mental projector, all these things. So I shared with the listeners, like a lot of us have a 
general understanding, um, but we don't know how to look at our charts. We don't know how to apply it to love, relationships, career, sex even. And so um, I'm so excited to learn all that from you today. And I wanted to maybe start out with um, your story on how human design helped you. Um, Specifically, I know um, your story has to do with also navigating depression and just how human design gave you hope in that area. Um, I know that a lot of people deal with anxiety and depression, and I don't think that human design is typically thought of as a tool for something like that. So I'd love to hear that part of your story. Yeah, sure. So I love this question. Um, and because it's, you know, all the work I do today is because of the journey it took me to get here. And, you know, I did heal myself from depression and panic disorder. And this was actually, it's like 20 years ago now. It's crazy to imagine. And, you know, I was given a diagnosis that I was going to learn to manage this for the rest of my life, but I I wasn't ever going to heal from it. And gratefully, there was this part inside of me that was like, no, I just know if I can work out how I got into this chair, I can get myself out of this chair. And you know, that sort of sparked this really long journey for me to understand why I was doing the things I was doing. So I was studying happiness. I was studying the brain. I was studying neuroscience. I was, you know, human behavior, psychology, you name it. I was like, I know I can answer this question. Now, I did heal my mental health. I transitioned out of an advertising career into um, studying to become a master coach. I started my own business. Um, I had two kids, uh, uh, married, uh, doing all the things. And I got to this time in my life, it was about five years ago now, where I was like, I've done all of these things. I've, I've healed my life. I have changed my life. Why don't I feel better on the inside? And this was a really big thing for me because I knew that I was heading in the right direction, but there was something missing. And this was actually the time where I discovered human design and I'd sort of been shown it and some people had shared it with me a couple of times, but I put it down. I was like, nope, you know, I'm very science-based, even though I was very much into the spiritual stuff as well. When it came to my work, I was still in this very research-driven, need the results, need the the science of it. Um, Then finally, I went away, I went on a I walked for 800 kilometers to find myself and my purpose um, on a pilgrimage through Spain. And at the end of it, I just said to the universe, I'm like, okay, universe, I feel like I am on the right path and I'm doing all the things, but there's something missing. I can feel it. So if you just hit me over the head with whatever that thing is, I promise I'll do it. Mm. And when I got back from walking the Camino, I was inundated by people asking me about human design. There were emails popping into my inbox. So all this, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely being hit over the head with this. So because, you know, I made a promise to the universe, I was like, I'm going to go and find out. I I Googled, you know, best human design teacher in Australia. There was only one um, and she lived one suburb away from me. And I was like, this is crazy. And she was moving away two weeks later. And I was like, this is crazy. So I started running my experiment. And needless to say, from that point, my life, like where I had completely changed my life, I had been doing it from my mind. I'd been looking externally, seeing what other people had that I wanted, and then I was running the same strategies that they ran, doing the same things, changing my behavior to do that. But once human design came along, all of a sudden, 
I had to rely on my own decisions. I had to trust my intuition. I had to had this whole new way of being. So once I dived into my human design and started to understand these nuances about myself, my authenticity, how I was designed to make decisions, how, you know, what it felt like, what guidance felt like in my body, what my superpowers were, how I was going to succeed, earn money, you know, be in relationships, everything shifted, Mm. you know, on the outside and in the material world, I have had huge success and continue to have huge success. But on the end, I should say, on the other parts, like I have the most incredible relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. I have two sons that are extraordinary at 16 and nearly 12 who believe in themselves, who, you know, being a teenager these days is freaking hard yet my 16 year old son sits around a campfire with his mates talking about their self-worth you know like that doesn't because you know we have a huge problem with teen suicide especially in boys in Australia so um the thing with human design is it's it's filled that gap it's given me the keys to the kingdom that lies inside of me so that I can be my most expanded self, my, you know, live into my potential and in turn serve the planet. I can do the things that um, I came here to do so that everyone else can, you know, I can help others access their greatness so they can live a beautiful life but also serve the planet in this huge time of change. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Really uh, touching to hear that about your son. That's my my kids are uh, seven and eight, so I I hope that it's as teenagers, they're, they're on that path. I know I, um, I know I play a big part in that. So yeah, yeah really heartwarming to hear that. So how can we, um, I, I think that a lot of people are interested in human design, but not all people have the luxury, uh, of hiring someone or maybe not even the desire yet to hire someone to teach them about it or give them a reading for it. So, um, how can we, if someone were to look up their human design, how can they kind of decode their chart? Mm, I love this question because I think this is one of the things I'm super aware of is that so many people come to human design and they're like, Oh yeah, that feels true for me. And then they put it down because it's complicated and they don't know where to go. Um, And I know that when I was in my dark night of the soul, and that lasted a long time for me, by the way, like it was a good five years that I was in this really awful place, you know, considering taking my own life. And I didn't have money. I didn't have resources. Um, So I would just do whatever I could with the free resources. So that's one of the things that really underpins everything that I put out in the world. I want people to have access to these things if they don't have the resources. So yeah. First and foremost, you know, you can go to my website and get a free chart and then you can just duck over to my um, podcast, which is the human design podcast. And it's going to help you. Like there's a roadmap of step one, step two, step three, there's deeper dives into each part of the chart. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of resources that we already provide because you want to make sure that people can get past the starting line. Because I think a lot of people don't exactly as you say, like maybe they don't have the resources to get someone to read their chart. Mm-hmm. But the thing I want to say to that as well is that I really believe it's more important that people are reading their own charts. Like, yeah, sure, get someone else to do it to to start um, or maybe for a different perspective, but it's important that you dive in. So you want to start with understanding your type because your type's going to tell you a bit about your energy, you know, like how specifically your energy works. Um, You know, I'm a manifesting generator. Um, Remind me again of your type. I'm a generator. And yeah, I thought for a long time I was a projector. So I had been studying projector for like a year and then found out I was actually a generator. I had put in a PM instead of AM. So 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like from my perspective, I would all, I'd be curious about that because I don't believe that there's mistakes or, you know, even coincidences. I'd be really curious about like, I wonder why I did all that study on projectors. You know, you said you've got two generator kids, but, you know, maybe your partner's a projector. So actually you studying all the projector is helping you to improve in your relationship, you know. It helped a lot because my son is a projector and I really learned even just about how he needs to sleep by himself. Otherwise, he's not really resting. He's absorbing all the energy. Um, My partner is a mental projector. Um, and my daughter is a generator. So me and her are the generators in the home. Yeah. So starting with type, you know, like you and your daughter, like for you, you have this consistent, reliable energy to be lit up and inspired into action. Whereas the, the boys in the family or the guys in the family, it's very different. You know, they're, they're kind of feeling their way through life via other people's energy in, in many cases, especially being a mental projector. Um, so uh, at first you want to start with type. You want to understand how your energy works. Do you have this consistent, um, you know, drive and what we call a motor constantly burning inside of you with a sacral or do you, are you a non-sacral being, meaning that you have to pay attention to the ebbs and flows of your energy because sometimes you'll have it, sometimes you won't have it and sometimes you'll be borrowing it from someone else. Mm. And neither is right or wrong, good or bad. It's just discovering the truth for you and experimenting with it. Mm -hmm. Then the next place we always have to go is strategy, which we're going to learn once you get the type, once you get your type. So of course, for you being a generator, um, and your daughter, you're both, uh, in response. So to respond to external reality. So as a generator, everything is always magnetizing to you so that you can either, um, know whether you have energy or you don't. And as I'm watching you now, I'm seeing your sacral response because you're nodding your head. That's a sacral saying, yep, I I have energy for this. I want to hear more, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas like a projector, their strategy is to wait for the invitation, which means that when you're a projector and when you have projected children, you want to like encourage them to do what they're passionate about. Like, what do they love? What do they obsess over? Because a lot of projectors are want to get going to want to get to the the nitty gritty, the depths, the really deep understanding of something. So, you know, schools don't support kids to learn in that way. Um, they're like, you know, we're on the clock, the class is nearly over. So you want to let little projectors like dive deep and have their own space and obsess about the things that they want to obsess about because when they do that then invitations come for them because they 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 create wisdom around this thing and then people want to know what they've learned or their experiences or the the stories that they have um and then really starting to understand these nuances so if you're a manifester your strategy is to inform uh, meaning that you're always sort of declaring the direction of your energy. So you're, I'm just, I'm just heading down to the shops or I'm thinking about building this in the business, even though it might be a yes or a no yet. It's like, I'm thinking of doing this. It's never asking for permission. Um, and then we have, of course, the generators and the manifesting generators are the same. Um, they're in response, but manifesting generators have to inform as well. And then of course we have, uh, reflectors and the big thing with reflectors is they have to give themselves time just making decisions. We say one moon cycle because we find a lot of consistency in the moon cycle because the moon moves through the chart in the same way um, every month. So there's consistency from that. But really the thing is about giving them time. So once we have type, we're kind of getting a, a feel for our energy. Then we have strategy, which is how the universe is really guiding us. 
then we have to come to our authority. So once we have our authority, this is how our internal decision-making happens. It's us shifting from the head because we're conditioned to use the mind. We've we've put the mind on a pedestal for so long. Yeah. And what human design says is that we need to get out of the head for decision-making and into the body. And for me, I've created this model called transformational human design because it's integrating all transformational change work with human design. So what that does is that once we're in the body, we then rewire the brain. We change the the mindset, the beliefs, the identity to support and inform or not inform, at least we let our design inform our identity. So um so yeah, so once we're in the in the body, we can start to listen to our authority. So our authority is either emotional, which means we have to wait over time for emotional clarity. Um, then we have sacral being. So do you know if you're a pure generator or an emotional generator? Oh, I I don't. I wish that I did know that. I've got your chart. Hang on. My, I mean, I'm an emotional person, so. <laughs> Yeah. And this is the thing, like one of the things that is really, um, one of the things that's really interesting is this emotional piece because I'm a very emotional person, but I never would have thought I was emotional. Whereas a lot of people that have part of their identity, so they have a belief that they're very emotional can often be non-emotional people because they're being conditioned. So, but that is interesting about the conditioning because one time I did tell someone that like parts of my chart didn't resonate and he was like, oh, that just means you've been conditioned. Like, yeah. And I love that. Like one of the things that's really interesting about that and one thing you have to be very careful of is that if something doesn't resonate, it doesn't necessarily mean you've been conditioned, but you need to be curious mm. because our conditioning will um, has been driving us the whole time and we're now shifting human design helps us shift out of our conditioning Mm -hmm. but we have to pay attention the the muscle we want to build is the resonance muscle like does this resonate does this feel true for me Mm -hmm. and if it feels true then we can trust it but if it doesn't feel true then we want to get curious about it Mm -hmm. um because sometimes that is where our conditioning is blocking us it's just blocking us from from leaning in Mm -hmm. um and I know for me, one of the biggest things with human design, why I put it down all those times, it only dawned on me two years after being in my experiment, I was like, oh my goodness, the reason why I kept rejecting human design was because I was resisting me. I was rejecting me. So a lot of times people can be doing just that, rejecting themselves. Hmm. Okay. So you, you are an emotional, your authority is emotional authority. So it's, it's 50% of the global population share that with you. Um, I'm also an emotional uh, authority. And the biggest thing to understand is that you make your decisions over time. So there's part of you that wants to move fast and quick and be in the moment because the cycle is in the moment all the time, you know? My struggle is being compulsive, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. You want to not be compulsive. If you want to, you want to reteach people how to treat you. So even like my kids, if they want to do something, they will literally say, I want to do this thing. And then they will wait for tomorrow. They will never say, I need an answer now because they know that if they put time pressure on me, then I'm going to say no. Like I will default to no, because I don't have an answer. Whereas Mm. with an emotional being, you have to give yourself time. So you sleep on it. Um, often we can just have space, especially for the smaller decisions. If you just given a little bit of space, it just, the, the clarity comes. 
excuse me, excuse me. Um, so emotional authority, you want to slow down, you want to sleep on it. You're looking for this elusive thing that's called emotional clarity. The irony is we never have clarity being an emotional being. Mm. I joke we have like 86% clarity, That like that's it. But you learn to feel it in your body. You learn to be like, this thing's been percolating. I, it's kind of in my aura. I know it's happening or I know it's not happening. And then all of a sudden something happens in your external reality. You have the clarity and you know that it's go time. You know that the decision mm-hmm. is, it's got to land now. Does that resonate for you? Yeah. 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 The main thing I'm working on right now is actually taking the time yeah. instead of just, cause I am a very proactive person that just wants to get things out of the way. Yeah. And so I will like, if I see a problem, I just want to, I just want to solve it right then or handle it right then, which yeah. can be compulsive. So yeah, my, my goal right now is to learn to wait. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that because what you want to understand is that that's a defense pattern that you've created. So mm-hmm. the mind says, if I can deal with this now, if I can sort it out now, I can get rid of it and move on. Um, and funnily enough, that sits in your design because you've got an undefined root center and in human design, we call it the not self. Um, but I would call it like your conditioning is to be under pressure, to get things done so you can get it off your plate. But that's mm-hmm. just because you've probably been raised in an environment where someone's had a defined root center. So you've constantly felt this pressure to get things done. Um, And we know it's not your husband because he's a mental projector or your partner because he's a mental projector. Um, But it could just be that you've learned this, I need to get it done and out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to feel the same way because I've got an undefined root center. But what you want to tell yourself is that better decisions come when I wait because Mm. the solar plexus also is a... um, awareness center, meaning that it has access to so much more than the mind is ever going to have access to, you know, Mm -hmm. all sorts of timelines and dimensions. And when you're waiting on a decision, it's going to give you the perfect timing if you can wait. Otherwise, it's going to have to guide you and the universe is going to have to guide you, you know, on the long way around because the mind keeps jumping in and thinking it knows better. But if you can just wait for that clarity, then you're going to take, you know, the road, the best road for you. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So if people are looking at their charts, they're, are, are they pretty much able to see this for themselves and kind of, okay, this is the so, best way. Yeah. Yeah. So what they'll see, especially if they get their chart on my website, we actually break this down really simply. Mm-hmm. We break down um, type, strategy, authority for them so that they can run the experiment straight away. Because once you have these things, and probably profile. So there's two little numbers um, that people have as well that we call a profile. And you're a six two. I'm a three five. And these are going to give us specific themes of how we operate in the world, how we learn, how we teach, the significant themes, like literally how we navigate life. And all we need to do is learn a little bit about them, ask ourselves, you know, what resonates. Um, does it feel true for us? And then we make different choices. So we might make different choices depending on our authority. So we're going to wait a little bit. Or if you're a splenic authority, you're going to listen to your intuitive hits and act on them. And it's just about those things to start with. Then once you've experimented with those things, then you can start to dive a little bit deeper. You can dive maybe into your incarnation cross or you can dive into, you know, other gates and planets and channels that feel like that you're drawn to. Mm -hmm. And I think that the thing that I would say with human design, and initially when this was all um, 
you know, this information was kind of presented to the world. One of the things that that Ra said was that it takes seven years to run the experiment to decondition. And I'm a manifesting generator. There's no way I was sticking around for seven years. I'm like, what's the fastest road? And I think that we can do that a lot faster because if we consciously get curious and let ourselves lead ourselves to the things that feel important that we need to learn about, um, then we consciously choose to change our behaviors, to make different choices, to change our belief systems and our identity, which is you know, what I do with transformational human design, then we can really work through and get to this place place of alignment and authenticity mm-hmm. so much faster than seven years. I mean, that's my experience. Yeah. So maybe we can use like examples of like pragmatic areas of our lives that we could apply this. So say when it comes to manifesting success in our career, can you give kind of an example of how a generator or a projector or whatever, like how they would manifest success using their chart. Yeah, I love that. So one of the things that we always want to do when we want to change, the thing we have to change is our identity. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we all get our identity set between the age of zero to seven because we take in all of the world around us. We make decisions. Those decisions become our beliefs. Those beliefs then become our, our attitudes. Those attitudes then become our identity. So when we become adults, we're like, hmm, I don't want this. I don't like that. And there's a part of our brain that always focuses on what you don't want. What we first need to do is we need to shift it. We have to get that part of our brain, the reticular activating system, focused on what we do want. So what we might do is we might say, okay, well, I have this relationship that I feel really crappy in. Okay, so what do I want? If I don't want that, what do I want? And we write it down on a piece of paper. Then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, well, who do I need to be? You know, like what are the actions? What do I need to think? Um, What do I need to believe? And then this is when we have that list. We can go to our design and say, okay, so how does my um, incarnation cross, let's say, how does this influence or how does this get me to this identity, to the person that I want to be? What am I need? What do I need to embody? What do I need to heal? What do I need to integrate to be that human? And with human design, it gives us the, the ability to go really, um, really narrow, really specific. So let me give you an example. One of the things for, for me, let's say in business, I was trying really hard to be super consistent, you know, like, you know, the, the, the masculine energy is a 24 hour cycle. And we have this crazy belief in the world that to be consistent, you have to do the same things the same way every day. Now, first and foremost, I'm a woman. So I have a 28 day cycle, not a 24 hour cycle. Mm -hmm. So already my consistency is going to look different. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm emotional and I'm a line three. So all of this says inconsistency in that definition. So what I'm going to say is like, okay, I want to be successful. I know I need to be consistent. So instead of trying to shove myself into this, this old version, I asked myself a better question. What does consistency look like for me? And then instantly my brain shows me, well, wow, I, I competed at an elite level in sport for 30 years and I did it in a way that was inconsistent according to some external rule that someone made. Um, 
But the consistency looked like for me, these little sprints, like constant sprint moments of, of work, of training, of whatever. And that's how I succeeded. So that's how I work in my business as well. The entire business is set up in sprints. So the consistency is different, but it's correct for me. Yeah. So when we know what we want, then we just have to ask ourselves really cool questions about our design. Like how does our design inform or help us become that version. Let's say we need something, then we need to heal something. Maybe we're in a relationship and we keep calling in the same codependent relationship. We might look into our chart. We might discover that we have codependency sitting in gate 19 and maybe it's, it's sitting in our, I don't know, our personalities, uh, earth or something like that. And we're like, wow. So my lesson is codependency. What do I need to learn here? And we can dive into the shadow of that and we can heal it. We can go through that process. So healing is a process of feeling unfelt emotions. So we go through that process and then we say, okay, so what's the higher expression of the gate 19? Wow. It's the sensitive. Okay. So how am I going to be specifically different in this relationship? Now that I've healed that codependence piece, um, how, what are the different choices that I'm going to make? So this is what I've created transformational human design, where we use behavioral change models but we actually allow them to inform or be informed by our design. Because then when codependency shows up in this example, we don't go, we don't punish ourselves. We don't go, oh my God, I haven't healed that thing. We go straight to that place where we're like, oh wow, that's just part of who I am. There's that pattern. I'm going to make a different choice. And of course the shadow aspects and these, these unresourceful patterns just get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and we're in the driver's seat. So, yeah, that's really how design can help us solve all the things that are going on and then step into our highest potential. Yeah. So when you look at my chart, uh, when, when you were looking at it, does it actually, like, when you see that, does it actually say um, how I would be more successful in my career or how I would navigate conflict better in relationships? Like, do you look and it says if I have a codependent pattern or... So in some cases it, it will, like if you have the gate 19, which you don't, the shadow of that is codependency. Now that okay. doesn't mean that you won't run that, that pattern, uh-huh. but what you're going to look at, like, how do you, if you, if you want to be successful, you're a, an, a generator. So straight away, like, okay, my overarching thing that I need to do to be successful is that I need to follow what lights me up. That's what I need to do. So the first thing I need to do is build the relationship between my sacral that's telling me what lights me up and my authority, which is emotional and what this emotional clarity means. Because if I follow these two things, then I'm going to be successful. Like it's inevitable. Um, So you want to pay attention that when the mind jumps in and gets in the way. Now, the next thing that's going to help you be successful is diving deeper into your chart. So you might have a look at your, um, your, <clears throat> excuse me, your uh, incarnation cross. Now, it's interesting that you ma- you mentioned confrontation because you actually have the cross of confrontation. And what that means is that a lot of what you do is you, you will be experiencing confrontation in your life, but it doesn't mean like it's going to be awful and terrible. It means that something needs to be broken for something new to come through. So if you think about a lot of your energy is about breaking the old, 
and, and something, creating something new, then all of a sudden your identity is not like either trying to avoid conflict. It's like, okay, well, what, 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 what are we breaking through here? What needs to be broken through? What needs to be shifted or changed or mutated or um, transformed? So we start to see this confrontation as a positive thing. It's not coming from the ego that has to be right, that has to be in control, that, you know, wants things to stay the same. All of a sudden, it's growth mechanism. It's like, okay, cool. If I find myself in this place, it's about breaking through to something new. And even the confrontation itself, it, you're going to find that it doesn't feel like confrontation. It just feels like, you know, I, I need to say this. I need, I need to break through this. Does that resonate? I mean, that's exactly how I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So is that how our charts kind of help us in dating is it kind of shows us how we relate. And if we look up the person's chart, we kind of see how they relate and then we know how to yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really beautiful, I say this a lot, is that what human design gives us in relationships is it helps us shift the the golden rule. And if you know what the golden rule is, that is treat everyone as you would like to be treated. But what human design actually teaches us is to treat everyone as they are designed to be treated. Hmm. Because this shifts every relationship. Because from a behavioral point of view, from our unconscious mind, we do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So we make these huge assumptions all the time that everyone sees the world and feels the world the way we do. And they Mm -hmm. just don't. When we have um, human design, we can see their map of the world. You know, we can, we can't, you know, be sure about the perceptions that they put on that map, you know, the, the real nuances, but we can see how their energy works, you know, like, so in relationship, um, in your relationship, you're a generator. So you have a defined sacral. What does that mean? It means that you are defining the sexual energy within your relationship because he is amplifying and reflecting back that energy for you. So let's say, um, let's say when your kids were little, maybe you didn't have much, um, you know, sexual drive and he wouldn't have had much either because you're, there's nothing to reflect back because you're putting that sacral energy into, into other work. Then, you know, maybe there was another time in your life where you're like, you were feeling really connected to your sensuality, to your sexuality. And he felt like he was really in the same place, but actually it's your energy that he's amplifying and reflecting back. Then, the other thing that sacral beings need to be really aware of is that, you know, when um, you're using this energy, like we love working. So if we're doing work that we love, we can literally like unplug our sexual sexual energy and like put it on the back burner and be like, I don't care about that right now because I've got all this stuff that's so juicy and so exciting and I'm so turned on by it. I don't need to be doing that thing over there. So as generators, we need to be very aware of that as well. Like, are we balancing our sexual energy, mm. our work energy? Um, and and I just give a quick overview for the other types. Like when you have a projector in an intimate relationship, you need to be really aware. Like one of their things is they dive deep. So when a projector has their attention on you, you're getting a lot of their attention. Like they're really diving right into into your aura, um, mm. which can be beautiful but it can also be really like intimidating and it it can almost feel confrontational so understanding those dynamics you know and learning to communicate around that is also really important because if you have 
you know, a projector partner and you guys are in alignment, oh my God, you're going to feel so seen and taken care of. And, you know, it's going to be all about you and that's the way it's going to feel. But if you don't have that connection, you're going to be like, oh, you know, like, oh, get back. Um, And with manifestors, you know, in a relationship, especially like a sexual relationship, they're the ones that are there to inspire people into action, but they also have this energy of they're a bit different. They can feel like they're a bit weird or a bit odd or a bit too much. So often when they are in a relationship, there can be that almost that like they were really into me and now all of a sudden they're not into me. So that can be really challenging for a, for a manifester. But if, again, if they're in alignment, if they follow their strategy and authority, like they're going to get, they're going to be in that relationship and they're going to lead, they're going to inspire that action, literally inspire mm-hmm. the action. And as a reflector in a relationship, you, you want to take time, you know, like, again, you're going to be amplifying manifestors, projectors and reflectors are all amplifying and reflecting back the sexual energy. If they're in a relationship with a generator type or an MG. But if they're not, if they're with a non-sacral being, maybe they bring sexual energy together because they light up the sacral in a relationship. And if they don't, if the sacral is wide open within the relationship, then it's this huge area for experimentation. It's just like, what does sexual energy mean to us? What like it's like go and experiment and find what feels really good for you. Hmm. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Um, that's so interesting. So it's really just generators that um, uh, you said kind of charge the sexual energy. And then yeah, the rest well, it's, it's consistent. It's consistent. It's reliable. It's always there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they've always got the capacity to, to tap into it. However, the way they're using that energy and directing that energy, that's where, you know, sometimes they will have lots of sexual energy, but other times they're going to be focused more on their work and, and they'll bench it. So it's just important to make sure that you balance it. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to listen to that sacral because a sacral is also going to say like, yeah, I'm just not that into you, you know, like I'm just not that into you. And that can be, that can be challenging because um, if you don't have the sexual energy and you're the one setting it, the tone, then you need to take responsibility for that. You know, wherever you have a defined center, you are influencing others. So you need to take responsibility for that. You know, whether you, you, are you being responsible with your emotions, meaning that you're feeling them, not repressing them, but you're not overindulging in them. But it's the same with the, the sexual energy. Like if you, don't have enough or you have too much, then you and your partner need to talk about it because you need to take responsibility that either you're funneling in the wrong place or your sacral's telling you, we just don't got the spark anymore. Yeah. And is this true um, outside of sexual energy? Like if a generator is um, not just in, in the sexual part of a relationship, but like just in the I don't know, the the um romantic side or the um, the calmness, like whatever it is that they are feeling, is that charged by them and reflected by the other designs? So it's going to make, it all depends on what centers we have um, undefined, which are white or colored in, which we call defined. So for example, because you're an emotional being, so you've got a defined solar plexus um, and not knowing your kid's charts, but let's say they're undefined, meaning that they're white in the solar plexus, what's going to happen for you as a parent? And this is my experience. I have two manifesting generator sons, but they're both pure, which means they are undefined in the emotions, but they're pure sacral beings. So their, their authority is their sacral. And 
a lot of the time, whenever they had big emotions, when they were little, they weren't their emotions. They were just amplifying my emotions. Oh, yeah. So, so I learned that I had to take full responsibility for my emotions. So what does that mean? That if I need to process emotion, I need to feel emotion, um, that I can't do it in a, like I can't just let them roam free on my children. I have mm-hmm. to take time away. I have to put a boundary in place and say, you know, like you do this for a little bit. I'm just going to go and sit down and meditate or whatever it is. Um, you know, like if I want to like lose my temper over something, I just want to take a deep breath and I want to feel whatever emotions coming up in that moment. And I want to feel it. And I want to let it go because emotions, real emotions only last for about 90 seconds. Like mm-hmm. just being really, really uh, present with my own emotions, because whatever mm-hmm. I'm feeling, they're amplifying and reflecting back. Mm-hmm. And this is where a lot of our unresourceful conditioning and patterns and those sort of things in relationship come from because the kids at a young age will learn um, to avoid emotion because it feels uncomfortable. So they would have seen like one plus one equals two. Mummy's emotional. I feel this. I don't want to feel this. What do I do to not feel this? And then that becomes their their pattern mm-hmm. in relationships when they get older. So if they learn very young, you know, my kids have been very exposed to that I am an emotional being, that when I'm emotional, even though it feels like it's theirs, it's mine, there's nothing for them to do about it. Um, it means that my kids have learned to let other people's emotions wash over them. Like they feel them, they respond to them in the way that they need to respond to them, not the way I need them to respond to them. Mm-hmm. And it really helps them to avoid a whole ton of patterns that so many of us already have. So to answer your question, in relationships, wherever we're defined, we are setting a standard or a tone, or we need to take responsibility for what we're putting um, out there. So for example, your husband, partner is a mental projector. You don't have mental definition. So what that means is then when you two are together, he's going to be influencing your thinking. Okay. Yeah. So if he comes <laughs> in and he comes in with a, like a, a negative attitude, that's going to influence you. So if you become conscious of that and say, okay, yeah, I don't want to take that on. I'm not interested in, in, you know, like you can believe whatever you believe or you can perceive whatever you want to perceive. But I notice that I feel those thoughts right now. They're not my thoughts. I'm just going to let them wash through me um, because I'm going to choose something different. So this is why we need to be very aware of where we're colored in, where we're defined because we're influencing the other. And when we're undefined, we're amplifying and reflecting back whatever the other feelings are, depending on the center. So with him being a mental projector, is that like all of the other styles, all of the other designs are influenced by his thinking because he's a mental projector? Is that what mental projector means? So mental projector just means that they have mental definition. That's all it means. It just means that he doesn't have any other definition. So I'm an emotional generator. Yeah, you're an emotional generator. So that tells us, so a mental projector tells us that um, he's a projector, that his strategy is uh, to wait for the invitation and that he his um, authority is what we call a sounding board. So he may, needs to talk things out and he needs to be very aware of how people and places make him feel because his taking in, amplifying and reflecting back is a really good um, thermostat, no, thermometer of of what's correct for him or not. And just talking out like, Oh, that person makes me feel uncomfortable. There's something not quite right. Um, when I'm in this house, I just feel like I have so much energy or I feel clean or whatever it is, you know, it's like paying attention to how his energy feels and allowing him to talk it out. So he, 
needs to talk things out, not to process information or to analyze it, but just to hear what he has to say. Um, And, you know, anyone that is a mental projector or has any sort of soundboard authority, they need to be able to say what they have to say without anyone else fixing it or giving them advice or their opinion or projecting their own stuff onto them. They just need to hold space and they need to actively listen and then be able to say, so what I'm hearing is blah, 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 just repeating back because that helps the mental projector um, create clarity for what's correct for them. Yeah. I mean, that's him to a T, it feels like. And it's interesting how, even though I'm the generator, how I can be influenced by his thinking, because it seems like as the generator, I would be the one influencing. So that's interesting too. I'm curious, what about when there's two generators? Like how, and then they're charging each other instead of, you know, like, because me and my daughter, because I mean, I totally resonate with the thought that my kids just amplify whatever I'm feeling. Even if I'm not expressing what I'm feeling, if my nervous system is not calm, they are not calm. They just pick it up, even though one's a projector, one's a generator, but my daughter seems to pick it up more and she's a generator. Yeah. So she's probably got an undefined solar plexus, which means Mm. that she's taking in and amplifying all your emotions. Mm. So this is why, I mean, one of the big things for me that we have to be careful with human design is that a lot of people learn a lot about type, but type is really misleading. The most important thing about type is understanding our strategy um, and understanding the definition is what matters. So what's colored in and what isn't colored in because our definition will define our um, our type, but so for example, like your, um, your partner, he is very different to, you know, I've got a a private client who has every center defined except for the solar plex, uh, sorry, except for the sacral. So Mm -hmm. also a projector, no motor connected to the throat, which would have made um, her a manifester. But the point is, is that she's actually got so much energetic influence. She's not that standard projector that's like Mm -hmm. taking in everything around them. She's, she's just not. So this is why we have to be very careful about types. So um, even in, in, in my situation, like there's three MGs in my family and one projector, and I'm still setting the tone for the emotions because I'm the only emotional authority. So mm. this is when we start to understand our definition. It's so much more important than our type. You know, our type really gives us our strategy and that's what's really, really important. And to understand if we have, you know, consistent energy from the sacral, which is the most powerful motor in the design, or we don't. Mm-hmm. It's the, these are the simple things from type that are really going to help. Now there are other things that are going to help, but um, it's the, the what lies underneath that that's really important to start mm-hmm. to understand because it's how we are influencing and being influenced depending on our consistent energy that really makes the difference. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and that's a that's, it's a lot more useful than I realized. <laughs> um, I and I kind of feel bad for projectors a little bit, like, because it seems like, like you said, three manifesting generators in your home and then one projector. I imagine that that projector is always taking in a lot and really having to be aware of, I guess, mm. energetic boundaries or something. I don't know. And I think that's the thing, like a great question. And I, I, in my experience, I think one of the things that, a lot of human design people really let projectors down and even reflectors and and manifestors is having them believe that they are powerless toward other people's energy. They're just not. 
They're just absolutely not. None of the um, I know are. Yeah. No. And what's really important to understand is that once you once you realize that the energy that you're feeling is not your energy, and you start to understand that, wow, that feeling is someone else's feeling, and you you come from a place of compassion as opposed to a place of I am feeling this and I need to do something about it, which is all attached to identity. You know, like you might be feeling it, but there's nothing you can do about it because it's not you, it's somebody else. You start to realize that you can just let these things move through you. And then all of a sudden other people's energy doesn't, doesn't bother you in an unresourceful way. But what you start to realize is the power that lies within being surrounded by all these generator types, because, you know, I see it with my, with my husband that, he, he literally just doubles down on our energy. So when we're around, he uses our energy. He has all of his energy to get things done, to do all the things that he wants. Da, 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 da. And then when he has his alone time, he can just ground, he can calm the nervous system, mm-hmm. he can let it all go. Um, but, you know, every everyone is designed perfectly and we're all designed to fit in like puzzle pieces, to do whatever it is that we came here to do so that we can transition this incredible planet into a whole new paradigm. And each and every one of us is doing exactly what we need to do. Even if we wake up, tend our garden and go back to bed, like even if that's your life, um, it's perfect. If it's aligned, it's perfect. So it's just that as generator types, you know, me being a manifesting generator, like I don't get that someone doesn't get up in the morning and it's like, oh my God, what can I accomplish today? What can I do? What can I build? What, blah, blah, blah. But then there's all these people that are just like, yeah, no, nah, I'm just going to wait for my invitation. I'm going to wait for someone to ask me for my wisdom. Um, and that when they're aligned feels really comfortable for them. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just beautiful to understand the nuances. Yeah. Really beautiful. So before we close off the, um, section on or the the portion on uh relating in, in our sexual dynamics um I have one more question on that and then I have I do have one follow-up question on the career and then uh it, and then I'd love to close with just talking about health and communication quickly and then and then uh and then we'll go into the lightning round closing off on the the section on relating in sexual dynamics um you mentioned that like the generators have the charge and the other types tend to, um, reflect. Is there, is that pretty much the gist of it? Or is like, when you look at my chart and I'm the generator, the emotional generator, and you were to look at my partners and he's the mental projector, does it have more information about how to relate sexually in a way that can like supercharge that? Yeah, absolutely. So there are lots of places that we can look in our chart. Um, you know, if we start to also look at things that come from the gene keys, I don't know if you guys know much about the gene well, keys, I've but had on. amazing, right? Yeah. So as soon as you get on your human design journey, at some point you're going to come across the gene keys. Mm-hmm. So for example, when it comes to relationships, like go and do the Venus sequence. And because these are the specific parts of your chart it's, you know, human design chart, but you can just get your, your gene keys sequence, um, Venus sequence, the whole golden path. Um, and it's going to help you relate, like it's going to transform your relationships. Um, Mm. you can also look into things like profiles. So how your profiles work together. Um, because for example, like I'm a three, five profile, 
my husband is a 6'2 profile, they're harmonic profiles. So we actually have these profiles that work really well. There's a, there's a, there's a resonance. Now it doesn't matter if you, you do or you don't have um, a harmonic profile, but it's these little things. And then you can go deeper into the chart and the more specifics. So you actually have a channel, the 659, um, which is, it's actually called the channel of mating. So it's a lot of that sexual energy. So when you go into any sort of sexual relationship, like you're bringing a lot of the sexual energy and, you know, I've had one of my private clients I worked with uh, a while ago. She was like, wow, I just thought that I was constantly being attracted to these really passionate, sensual men. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, it's you, babe. Like you are the one who's bringing it and they're reflecting it back at you because they don't have it. Um, So there are, you know, the beauty of, of human design is the ability to discover your uniqueness, the differentiation, um, how to, you know, what does that mean for you? You know, we can also look at the channels, like um, when we're looking at our chart and the lines that go between the, the shapes, the centers, you know, if we have what we call a hanging gate. So we just have one gate and it's kind of like hanging out there on its own. And our partner has the other one, like depending on what those channels are, they can play a big role in um, a relationship as well. Uh, For example, you have a gate that's called the 49. And if your husband has the 19, then together you, you make this amazing channel that um, when you're together and your standards and rules for um, relationship match, then you're inseparable. But if th- if they change and only one, like if those standards change within that relationship and only one of you maintains them, then then you two can split, you know, relatively easily because you see it differently. Like you're the 49. So that would be like, oh, wow, you're, you're, we made up these rules or that we, we have these values. You broke the values. I'm out. Whereas the 19's like, whoops, um, let's try and work on it. The 49's like, no, I'm good. The, the standards have changed. So when we know these things in relationship, then you in this in this scenario could consciously say, you know what, I am going to choose to work on it. I'm going to see if, if my strategy and authority say let's work on it, then I'm going to work on it um, instead of just falling into this default mode. So we can go super deep into the into our charts and see how, we, we work together. We can see where our potential challenges are going to be in a relationship. Um, you know, my, my husband has, um, the channel of struggle and he has this, this gate, the gate of the fighter. So, you know, I would constantly feel myself early on being pulled into arguments all the time. And it didn't have to be even between him and I, it was just something that he was angry about somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized that I didn't need to be involved, like it wasn't my energy, I don't need to fight, blah, 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 it was just a really powerful way that I could just let that energy flow over me instead of, you know, initiating me into that energy. So yeah, well, you can go so deep into the charts mm-hmm. and how the charts work together, but there's none, as much as there will be people that say there are some that don't work well together and some that do work well together mm-hmm. as a behavioralist, I think that's dangerous. And mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the most important thing to do is follow your strategy and authority, learn your lessons, integrate, and then continue to grow and evolve. And then you can't not find your person, the person that makes you happy. If you yeah. can yeah. yeah. So my follow-up question on the career part was that like you said for a generator, it's, it's about finding what lights you up. I feel like I found what lights me up and I'm all, all in, but I wouldn't say that like success has 
quite come. So does the chart also talk about like uh, what to do from there? <laughs> yeah. So again, this is a, this is a really good question. Um, and yeah, there's always answers. We can always find answers in, um, in our design. And one of the things we have to understand is like, it's your belief system. There's a part of your identity that says like the success I wanted that I dream of isn't here yet. But what I would encourage you to do is take a step back and ask a better question. Um, and something like, okay, so my success is inevitable. Where am I on that path so far? Or what success do I have already? Where in my chart does it say, does it give me any clues? And, you know, the first thing for me, I would say is because you're a line six. So the line six, you, you know, from a young age, you've probably been the, you've probably felt different. You've probably felt like the old soul. You've probably felt like you see things that other people don't see. Like they make silly mistakes, not silly mistakes, but like, that's obvious. Like, why wouldn't you do Why would you do that? And there's this level of maturity that the line six comes in with. However, it's also a game of patience for you guys because the line six is all about the long game. You know, you guys, after the age of 50, that's when you really know success. I know so many line sixes that, you know, they've had success, they've had mediocre success, they've had great success, but once they hit 50, everything amplifies because they're, they're in their wisdom, they're deep in their identity, I mean, their authenticity and mm-hmm. their spirit. And you have to gather the wisdom. You have to be on the journey. You can't skip over a bit because you've got so much as a visionary that you need to bring to the world. You have to have the experiments. You have to have the experiences. You have mm-hmm. to learn the lessons. Um, so really, again, I would be following that strategy and authority. Like if you say you're working on slowing down, that's where I'd be like, okay, I want to call in greater success. Um, so how do I do that? I follow my strategy and authority. How do I do that? Keep chunking it down and get till you get to that place where you have really specific steps. And I know for me, um, you know, I have a line six in a really prominent place, which tells me in a, in a place where I have the gate five, which is also about patience and the line six in this place in my chart also means patience. And a lot of my success, I have this, um, this pattern that it's like, it's like takes forever, takes forever, takes forever, takes forever. And then all of a sudden it seems like overnight, boom, something happens. So you can then use your chart and go, wow, there it is. And then you, you're not on your case anymore. You're like, okay, I need to be patient. Um, I need to ask myself better questions. Um, I need to start thinking outside the square and allow my strategy and authority to, to, to guide me. You know, one of my pivotal turning points was when I, I had a podcast. Um, I was in the shower where I get so many insights one night and I just, just heard you need to change the name of your podcast to the human design podcast. And my ego was like, you can't do that. You don't know enough. Who are you? You know, all of it. Um, but I'm like, mm, I've promised to run my experiment. It's just an idea. So I'm just writing it in my journal. And then the next day, one of my mentors says to me, someone needs to do a really good podcast because there's none out there. So what do I do? My sacral says, yes. My emotional authority is like, well, I've been thinking that, about that for the last 24 hours and it feels like a yes, let's do it. And just because I followed strategy and authority, I listened to my internal guidance system. I waited for something to respond to, then checked in with my authority, tick, 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 tick. And then the, the podcast just had a life of its own, you know, and mm. 
And this is, so this is how we lead ourselves to success is that we actually have to trust ourselves. We have to trust the universe. We have to trust what we don't know. Um, and it's going to lead you to where you need to go or where you want to go. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, the part about as a child made sense because I'm on the spectrum. So I always felt like like an odd one. Um, and then even my human design and my astrology chart says that my success comes after age 48. So it really lines up. They all line up with each other. Um, so I want to just touch on really quickly, because I know we're at the hour mark, um, about how human design can help with intuitive eating and exercise. And then, um, yeah, we can close off on, on communication, which I feel like we've talked a lot about communication, but you know, all the projectors that I know are, um, big advice givers. <laughs> they love to give advice. And I know that all of them who are familiar with the human design talk about how they're really working on um, being invited to give yep. advice. Uh, but I, man, every projector I know, they, they really like to give advice. And I mean, I don't mind it. I love getting advice. So it works for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so this is, this is such an important point for projectors. And we talk about it, you know, as, even in our family, like we'll just look at each other and go uninvited projector. Um, because what's happening is you're right. Projectors do want to give advice. They can see nuances in energy. They can see how we are using our energy resourcefully or unresourcefully. Um, and they can give us a, a, advice. All the, like That's what they're good at. That's what they're here for. They're here to be seen and recognized. Yeah. The problem is when they don't see, recognize, and value themselves, they need other people to take their advice. And the moment you need someone else to take your advice, you're not coming from the heart. You're not coming from your authenticity. Yeah. And I imagine you don't believe if, if you're not taking their advice, then they probably feel unloved. Yeah. Or, yeah. Not and they do. Them. They feel like they're unseen, that no one listens to them. Mm. Um, you know, they feel that they're not valued and they're, they're on the planet to be seen. So it's really painful for them not to be seen. Mm-hmm. So the ego tries to force them to be seen. And the, the, you really need to go to this place where you're like, all right, I need to really see myself, acknowledge myself. I need to obsess over this thing that I really love. And when I'm sharing my journey, sharing what I'm learning, I'm sharing all these beautiful things that I just give them freely. I don't care what people do with them. I don't care if they pick them up and run with them. I don't care if they they give me the the, you know, if they tell me I'm good at something, I don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. I just want to share this amazing thing that I've learned that I have. And then once they get to that place where they are no longer attached to the outcome or what people do or don't do with their advice, and they're just really excited about the thing that they love to do and obsess over, then people can't help but ask them. You know, my, yeah. my husband's grown an entire business from this place where he had no intention on growing um, a business or being excited about it or, or going out and marketing or anything like that. And even to this day, it's like, I really need to get my Instagram going. I'm like, you really don't like your business <laughs> is growing. Like why, why yeah. you really don't, you just need to keep sharing this. And so, yeah, you, with projectors, don't be an uninvited projector because the way that that feels from the other side is that you're telling us what to do. Yeah. that's And, true. and, and we don't like it you know, and I know for me, especially because of my design, like I'm here to make a freaking mess. So I get that you can see the easiest road to where I'm going, but I'm a line three. I'm a manifesting generator. I'm emotional. It's never going to be a straight line for me. So let me hit the wall. Let me fall down. Let me make the mistakes because when I need your advice, 
Mm-hmm. I'm coming straight to you. And mm-hmm. so it's this dynamic that we need to empower projectors to see themselves first, you know, and, and also for all the other types, like if you have a projector in your life that you value, for God's sake, invite them, like listen mm-hmm. to them, you know, like acknowledge them. Like every time my husband walks into a room, I acknowledge him. Like he was at, you know, one of our retreats earlier in the year. And I was like, everyone say goodbye to Justin, like acknowledge your freaking projectors. Cause they're mm-hmm. here to be seen and they need to be seen. And if you don't give it to them in a resourceful way, if you don't give them significance and the feeling that they matter in a resourceful way, then they're going to do it in an unresourceful way. That's really beautiful. That's really useful information. I'm really thankful for that, especially since I have a projector son and a projector partner. So thank you. Um, So I'd like to close with just um, if we can touch on quickly about how human design can be used for intuitive eating and exercise. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I, I really want to build my glutes and like, I feel like uh, I really need to work on my core and my balance and all of that, but I didn't even think human design could be useful in this area. Yeah, look, human design can be useful in lots of different ways. I mean, there's a part of our chart called the primary health system where it really helps us understand how we digest food and how we digest life, um, which is the top, you know, right hand, sorry, top left hand corner of our chart. Um, And for you, let me have a quick look at yours. You're actually sunlight. So a large part the experiment that you're invited to do is to do the work, eat the food, digest life when the sun is down because it's indirect. Yes. And I had a client on one of my, um, one of my masterminds who she literally only ate and worked when the sun was up. She got up really early. Um, but she, and she was basically an athlete and while she was on the mastermind, she experimented. And so she, she ate, um, lunch. So she, she didn't eat breakfast anymore. She ate lunch in a room, like with the, with the curtains drawn, just with a low lamp on. And then she would wait to eat after the sun had gone down. Um, and she even played around with working in those darker environments and doing her entire body changed. And she's like, I cannot believe this happened. Like I I wasn't, I didn't want to lose weight, but I've lost this weight. This is amazing. And my body feels stronger and I have more energy. So it's all about experimentation. You know, you can go to yeah. the, the whole episode of my podcast that'll go through all of it for you so you can get all the numbers and all the things and, and dive in. Um, sorry, were you going to ask a question? Well, so my chart says that I meant to like work out and eat and work, not in sunlight hours, just to clarify, because that's so yeah. shocking to me. Yeah, yeah, not but in sunlight sun hours. Down, I'm done because I'm a, I'm a mom of two kids. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty much done. I'm yeah. <laughs> So this is the thing you want to just, you just want to experiment with it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and maybe you're done because you're using your energy in ways that your body's not best designed to to be using its energy. So again, I always, especially with the PHS, I think we have to be very, very careful in our society to dictate how, you know, if this PHS that we have to eat this way, we have to stick to this dogmatic rule because we really don't. Um, But it's important to experiment with it. You know, like you might actually find that when your babies were little, when you had to get up and feed them in the night, there was something really nice about that time of night. And maybe you didn't want to put your babies. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So it's those sort of experiments. Instead of saying it has to be this way or that way, because that's what the rule is. It would be asking yourself like, well, what happens when I do play around with, with direct light and indirect light and do these things when I'm in more of an indirect place? Um, 
but yeah, there's so much, there's so much, you know, like you've also got a passive body, um, which is the bottom left-handed arrow, which sort of tells you that also being, a a generator, there's going to be some sort of balance within you because generators need to move their physical body. They need to burn all of their life force energy. But having an arrow that's pointed to the right in this particular place, you want to be conscious of, well, your body actually loves to be passive. So what does that mean for you? So I have a similar configuration. So what that means for, for me, and I'm an MG, so MGs love getting out of their, whether I like to admit it or not, out of their comfort zone. So I do a lot of intense exercise. I love to work hard at the gym. You know, I, I, um, I ride a horse, I hike. So I push myself in all of these, these environments, um, physically. And then I'm so content to sit in my office and work, to sit on the couch with my Mac, to do those sort of things. Like, cause my body loves that, that as well, but it's finding that balance mm. and, you know, like, all the types are going to be a little bit different. Um, yeah, it, there's nuances for each type. So your human design can really, really help you in every area, every area of your life. But ultimately, to simplify it, it always comes back to strategy and authority. If you are listening to your strategy and authority, then it's going to help you with anything. It's going to help you with exercise. Like I follow my strategy and authority. Like I rode, I've ridden horses competitively for most of my life. I sold my last horse seven years ago. Didn't even think I'd ever get back into it. Um, and then I, I joke, I accidentally just bought myself my dream horse about two months ago, um, just by following my strategy and authority, you know, like, wow, this is weird. And what I've realized is it's helped me with my fitness goals. It's helped me with my mental health because it's something that I absolutely adore, but I don't think at all. Um, it gets me back in my body. It's something for me that, cause I can obsess about my work cause I love it so much. So at the end of the day, no matter what it is, follow your strategy and authority. That's the thing you want to get to know really well. And it's going to take you where you want to go. Wow. I guess the reason why I was so shocked by the sunlight thing is because I'm so into circadian rhythm and like when the lights are down, I put my red light glasses on and like, I I'm so much about like, you know, circadian rhythm and sleeping by 10 o'clock and all of those things. Uh, but whenever I have trouble sleeping and I wake up in the middle of the night, I write some beautiful poetry. I don't get up and write it down because I don't I'm so protective over my sleep. And then of course, when I wake up in the morning, I don't remember it. And I'm like, damn, that was a really good poem that I wrote in the middle of the night. Now I don't remember it. So it yeah. makes sense. It's just, it's funny because I resist it so much because I'm all about circadian rhythm and hormonal yeah. health and all of that. And that's the thing right there. So you've, you've given, you know, from a behavioral point of view, you've given me the clue because you said I resist it so much. Mm -hmm. So if we resist something, then there's a clue in there that like resistance is telling us something because if you were really like super aligned, there'd be no resistance. They'd just mm -hmm. be like, Oh my God, I just love it. I'm going to bed. This is so great. I just love well, it. And I know I meant to write. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one of my um, really close friends, same deal, indirect, she was all over the glasses, all over the sleeping patterns, all over the thing, young kids. She's like, but if I'm really honest, like eight o'clock to 1am, oh my God, I get so much done, so much yeah. learning, so much writing. So, and I just love it. But she carried all this guilt for so many years because she had to do better. She had to eat at a different time. She had to blah, 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 blah. And then she just experimented with it. 
And she was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is really the way I'm designed. And she let herself sleep in, especially as the kids got a bit older, let herself Mm -hmm. sleep in, you know, an hour more in the morning and everything up leveled. So again, I don't agree with sticking to dogma, but what I do um, advise and invite you to do is experiment. Like, what does that mean for me? Yeah. And when you say experiment, am I also meant according to my chart to eat more, uh, at darker hours and actually exercise at darker hours and my body will benefit? Yes. Wow. Yes. yes. This is crazy. Okay. And then it's just, you know, like, as I say, just run the experiment. You Cause know, I don't eat run. after six o'clock. So this is yeah. just crazy. It's the opposite of what I'm doing. So I'm going to run the yeah. experiment yeah. and so just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I mean, I always knew that human design and gene keys and Vedic astrology, like I've always believed in all of it. I've always known its power, but this feels, uh, really like it's way more applicable than I thought that it was. Like it's actually, I, I love your title of transformational human design because it really is transformational when we can apply it and when we understand it. So really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I really think that, I mean, your story of overcoming depression through being able to, um, apply these tools in this new level of understanding of yourself. I mean, I can imagine the hundreds of thousands of people that are benefiting from that. So really, really thankful for your work and for your light. Oh, well, thank you so much. I've had so much fun and I just feel really, really grateful to do what I do and get to meet people like you and share our stories and hopefully help lots more people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, man, you know, like the first 40 minutes of this interview was kind of going over my head because it was, my brain was almost responding to it like math, even though I'm really good at math, actually. But it was responding to it as if it was like formulas. And then right at like the 40 minute mark, I, I think it's when we started to talk about sex because you guys know sex lights me up. It helps me digest things when we apply things to sex. <laughs> and it was right at that moment that I was like, ah. Oh, okay, I'm getting it. So maybe I should have asked, brought up sex right away. Um, I don't know. I'm like that, but I guess it's because I'm a, uh, a an emotional generator that uh, charges from that place, like she said. Um, but I truly, I, I mean, I've, I've always been like, yeah, human design is cool. Gene Keys is cool. Uh, I mean, I love Gene Keys, but like I've always, you guys know, I love Richard Rudd. It's one of my favorite interviews ever. Um, and I love Vedic astrology. Like I love it all. And I think it's all useful, but this interview actually did help me understand how it, like she said, can shape the way that we treat ourselves and the way we treat each other. And that's really healing in itself. So what a powerful tool. Uh, I'm really excited to dive deeper into it. And I'm also really excited to dive deeper into the Venus gene keys, uh, with me and my partner. I haven't looked at speaking of my partner. She called him my husband. He's not my husband. He's, he's my partner. Um, but I didn't want to interrupt and and correct her. Um, but just for clarity, uh, I'm sure most of you know that, but just in case, um, but yeah, the, she brought up the Venus gene keys and I'm obsessed with gene keys and I realized, Oh, I don't know my partner's Venus gene keys. So I'm excited to look into that. Um, and that leads me to our affiliates because gene keys is one of our affiliates. Um, I'll let you go to the show notes. All you have to do is if you're looking at the podcast, uh, right now, as you're listening to it, just scroll up on the, your screen and it'll lead you to the notes. There's a, they, there is a link for gene keys 
if you were to purchase anything on there, whether it's the Venus for love, whether it's the Pearl for success, uh, the show gets a small cut. So, and I'm so thankful. And so uh, you can use that link. There's also a link there for cock worship. Uh, I'm going to have the teacher of it on the show because I am so intrigued in this. I, I know it sounds weird or not weird, but like, I mean, I know it's taboo. But I, for some reason, these last few months, I was searching this out. Like I was literally seeking out a program like this and not thinking that it existed because it was something I wanted to gift my partner for his birthday. And then uh, Wands, who's our other affiliate that I use for my, my cervical wand and my yoni egg, created this course. And I was like, ah, like I was actually seeking this out. And now like someone I'm only already an affiliate for has created it. So I'm so stoked because I love everything that they do. Um, so the link for the cock worship course is in there. Um, again, I get a small cut if you purchase it through using my link, I'm taking it myself and I'm so excited to have, um, the teacher on, uh, Courtney McNabb. I'm so excited to have her on to talk about just the power of this and, and how healing it is for the man and for the woman. Um, yeah, those cervical wands and the, and the jade eggs are at wands, W A A N D S.com. Uh, the code or the link is in the show notes as well. Code jade gets you a discount. I love these items. I love them not only for my pleasure practices, but I love them on my altar. They're beautiful. And they're, I, I just, I love the quality as well. They're, they're beautiful crystals. And then all things infrared at higherdose.com code Jade 75 gets you $75 off there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at the untamed and unashamed podcast. I do want to apologize. Um, the guest, her phone rang throughout, through the interview. It rang at one point and I hope that wasn't too distracting for you. Um, I, I have sensory issues. So for me, something like that would have really thrown me off. So if it did for you, I wanted to, to, uh, give that apology for that. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here as always be a light, stay open and remember. You belong here. But we got what it takes for the cycle to break. Revolution lives in me. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.